Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to Good Vibes with Jason B, a Broad Mind Some More podcast. So let's get the morning started off with. So this issue has been like really on my mind. And thank you for the few call-ins and uh, private messages that have been sent to me about my last episode about uh, my friend's issue. And, uh, you know, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I, it really uh, sparked something in me. And the title of this episode is called Marriage. Why do we get into it? Or why do we want it? So since I was a little boy, um, probably my parents got a divorce. I think I was about age six or seven. Uh, my mom left my dad and got a divorce and it just didn't work out. My father was into drugs. He was going through PTSD. Um, a lot of things contributed to the demise of their marriage. But my mom had to seek uh, the best opportunity for me, my brother and sister, and it was definitely not going to be with my dad around. So we moved around probably, no, we moved from Lodi to Manteca, which is about 50 miles, maybe 40 miles, not very far. And we moved to a complete town. My mom had no idea. My mom's originally from the East Coast and my father you know, he was from Lodi, California, Mexican-American. He was like, uh, I guess you could say he was the second generation or, you know, or first generation. My grandfather came from Mexico, but my grandmother, she was from California. And I don't know the complete history about that, but anyhow, so my father met my mother by chance on leave visiting Pennsylvania, and he was invited to a party that my, I think my grandmother was hosting and, uh, my Tia Becky or my aunt Becky, um, she was married to a, a gentleman. Um, and they, uh, he was at the party. It was an army and maybe air force base. I'm not really sure. I think it's army base. So my dad was on leave to go visit his sister and he met my mother and they started their relationship. My, I think my mom was about 17 or 16. I could be wrong. I think she was 17, just graduated high school. And, um, you know, their marriage, I think they lasted a total of maybe four years. I could be wrong or three years. Um, no, it had to have been four years. So I'm the oldest and my I have a sister who's two years younger and then a brother who is four years younger than I am. I believe, or is it five? No, it's four. Anyhow, um, so growing up in the 70s, um, we're a biracial um, family, you know, my mom being Irish and my dad being Mexican, and we moved out to California, and um, my father, basically, when we they moved out here, um, it was like the end of, I guess, the start of the end of their marriage. Um, my father is typically really family ori oriented based and being Latino or Mexican, you, you kind of stay close to home in a way, but you also, you pay your respects to your family. And my grandmother was like the matriarch of the family. She run the show. My grandfather may have called some shots, but, and he had the respect as the patriarch, but the matriarch in our family 
pretty much ruled the roost. And with comes with that, the interference, you know, when you're a parent to a kid, you don't want your kid, you hate seeing your kids go through mistakes. So my father was uh, getting high and just not really paying attention to his marriage, not, not working. Um, at the time he was having an affair and da, 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 da. And my mom, um, couldn't take it anymore. I, I think it was like after one Christmas, she was telling me that my father took in all our Christmas presents and sold them for drugs. So my mom, you know, was in a really bad pinch and her father, um, probably, yeah, he passed away and she got a small inheritance and she took that money and she moved us away. So ever since then, you know, I wanted a father in my life. I wanted a family. I mean, I was growing up in Manteca, California, which is a, a, it was a farm town. It wasn't really a commuter town yet. It's pretty much all Anglo-Saxon white people, farmer, farming community, a small town, you know, maybe at the time, I think it was like 16,000, you know, people, maybe 20,000. And I think when I graduated high school, I think the peak was like 32. So it's not like, in comparison to most cities, really big, but still a town nonetheless. So I grew up with this, um, this want to have my own family because I felt lost, to be honest with you. I felt like I wanted to belong. I felt like, you know, someday when I grow up, I'm going to have my own family and I'm going to take care of it better than I ever, than I was taken care of. I'm never going to let this happen to me you know, or my children. So time went on and, you know, I, I guess I was, I felt like a social outcast. I didn't connect with people. I had so many internal mental issues that I, I wanted attachment. And I was, you know, I thank God for some of my friends as moms, like, uh, my best friend, Gareth, um, his parents, um, Mel and Carol, um, a lot of times took me under their wing you know, cause my mom, she worked two jobs sometimes, sometimes worked a job and went to school. So she wasn't there a lot, but when she was, I know she tried to make it count, but she was extremely stressed, you know, like really flipping out. It's like you're raising three kids and not getting any help from the father and the father's not even stepping up. When the meanwhile, my father was living in Lodi with his parents and he's lived with my grandma God, I'd have to say 39 years or almost 40 years. Yeah. 40 years. It's going to be this year. You know, he hasn't left the roost in all that time. And his, he let his problems progress to where my father has mental issues where he can't really function normal as a regular member of society. He, he's a very hermit. Like he stays in the house when he goes for a walk, it's like four o'clock in the morning when no one's around. He watches movies, you know, he just, he doesn't work. I mean, he stopped working when I was like, I think I was like 16. So anyway, getting back to the whole thing and, um, my parents, you know, battled left and right. I mean, my mom would tell me, don't be like your, you know, your son of a bitch dad, or don't be like this. And, and, you know, that wasn't like, I'm going to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, that was not the correct way of doing things. You know, um, the more that my mom slandered my dad, the more that I wanted to get to know them, the more that I wanted to be around him. And so I didn't see my dad from seven till I was, I believe 10 years old. So it was a few years. And when I started seeing my dad, it was kind of like, 
I'd see him on, I'd arrive on Friday, see him for about probably half hour. And then my, my dad would take off for the whole weekend. He'd party, go out. And I wouldn't see him till Sunday. And then he would just sleep all day, you know, like he would have girlfriends and things like that, but I wasn't a priority. So mostly my grandparents were taking care of me and, um, my cousin, two of my cousins, my cousin Jay, my cousin Slugger, they also lived with my grandparents because I believe my grand, my grandmother was very, she influ, in, influenced and interfered quite a bit. So she felt like if you can't take care of the kids, I will. And she even threatened my mom at the time. When my mom moved like, if you can't take care of the kids, I'll take over. So my mom felt threatened, decided to move out. We moved to Manteca, da, 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 da. So we, you know, all through those years and looking back at it now, I was looking for a sense of attachment and I didn't start dating. I think my first girlfriend was like, I think it was 12 and it wasn't even serious, junior high. And I remember, I think my first girlfriend, her name was Christy Dupree. I can't forget that. And it lasted only a couple of weeks and I didn't know how, what to do with the relationship. I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know how to handle it. I, I was not interested in meeting girls, you know, like, like what it would mean today. You know, it was like, Oh, it's cute. Yeah. I like her, but I was beginning to understand, you know, I'm a boy switching into puberty and all that stuff. So going through puberty, um, the attachments were, you know, they became more intense as I started to develop. And, you know, this image in my head was like, do the right thing. My mom was always impressing upon me to, you know, treat with women with respect. Don't backtalk them. Don't, you know, don't be a dick like your dad. And I couldn't understand it because my dad really wasn't a dick. My dad just was absent. And when I did see my dad, it was kind of like, my dad was like chill. You know, he was always chill. Either he was high or he was just completely chill and a nice guy. But my dad was not the kind of person that would like to take responsibility for anything. So that kind of led to, you know, my makeup, so to speak. And as I began to understand things, I got into the Navy. I remember I was joined at 18. I got out when I was like 23, I believe, 24. Yeah, 23, I'd have to say. Yeah, 23 it was. And, um, I met my oldest daughter's mom. I was working in Yosemite after I got out of the Navy and got her pregnant and the relationship just went south, went bad. You know, I had this honor system in my head. Like I'm supposed to take care of my woman. I'm supposed to take care of my kid. I've got to marry her. I've got to do this, you know, in a panic and not thinking, is she really a match? So, you know, it was a battle and it became vicious and, I had at the time I moved out of Yosemite after a while and I moved to Stockton and I remember that, you know, she lived in Ventura. I lived in Stockton, which is about 405 miles away. I didn't have a car. And every time I tried to see my kid, it was like, there was always an excuse. Oh, I couldn't take her on my own. You need to connect with her. And my daughter at the time wanted to know who I was and so forth, so on and so forth. So, and I'm going to be right back to explain that in just a minute. And we're back again. So anyhow, um, 
my I I gotten a girl basically pregnant while I was in the Navy. And then I moved to Yosemite and that made it just like worse. And we fought like cats and dogs. We could not agree. You know, her aspect was you need to connect with our daughter. And then my daughter was so small, you know, she was like one, maybe, um, you know, we, I didn't understand what it was to be a father. All I knew was I was supposed to step up, be a man, marry this girl and take care of my daughter and make a family and just make it work. You know, that was the aspect that I was growing up with, but I didn't understand at the time I was just beginning in dating. I, I had lost my virginity at that time. I didn't even understand. It's like so much of what goes into a relationship, let alone what goes into a marriage. Well, she ended up wanting to be with somebody else while she was pregnant. Cause I know we split up while she was pregnant and that just added more fuel to the fire. So we fought and fought and fought and, you know, here it is 22 years later and I had sporadic visits with my daughter, maybe, maybe 15 visits with her in her whole life. And she'd stopped seeing me at 13 and it just created this big void in me and this stronger desire to have a connection with somebody make up for what I didn't do with my kid and what I didn't do with that relationship. And it was just a series of failures, like constant failures. I put my emotional value in somebody's hands so many damn times. I was told like, quit acting like a woman, all this other bullshit. I didn't understand because I wasn't shown what a man or how a man should handle things, you know, like give it space, give it time back off. I would just be obsessive to try to fix the relationships. Right. So my idea of marriage was becoming more and more warped, you know, and not, and it was stagnant. And, you know, I just, I fought so much to where it was like, I just want to be married. I just want to connect. I just want to get it done. I want that sense of security and I don't want to have to figure out and find somewhere else or someone else to go to. I want what is mine to belong to me and I will belong to them and I will give them the very best of me. So time went on my twenties flew by. It was just like no focus. I was going to college here and there, but I wasn't focused enough to finish and graduate then I got into my thirties and then I said, enough is enough. I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to finish. And I started on my, uh, first degree, my paralegal degree. Um, I went to a couple different schools. I went to like, it was an MTI in Sacramento to get my paralegal ABA certificate. And then I went on to Humphreys, um, university here in Stockton and I got my bachelor's. Um, basically I flunked out of MTI. Cause like they only let you fail one class, I believe. And then if you don't pa pass at the second try, then you're out. So to me at the time I went on to Humphreys, they had a better paralegal program. It was easier for me. I got my bachelor's and then I started law school. But in that time I had met my 11 year old's mom and it wasn't really a serious relationship. We just jumped in thinking this is what we're supposed to do. She got pregnant. And, you know, we managed to be together for like two years and still the same problem. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't so much of them. It was more about me and 
what I, how a man is supposed to roll and how a man is supposed to be. So this identity crisis, not only knowing, not knowing my culture, not knowing who I was, I was just, just blown away at responsibility. And the only difference this time was me and my daughter's 11 year old's mom. When we split up, we split a day after my daughter turned one and I was served a couple days later, went to the court process, you know, and we went 50, 50 custody and it, we battled, you know, just like my 22 year old's mom, we battled. But the thing was, is we had a court order of distinguishing our rights, how much time we have. And it was just like, no budge. We weren't really working together. We were just like, okay, you got your time. I got my time. You know what I mean? And still I was searching for a relationship. I was searching for that belonging, that sincerity, that honor, that, you know, this is mine. I'm yours. Let's take care of each other. And so growing up and looking back, my model of a marriage was pretty piss poor, to be honest with you. My friend's mom, mom and dad had a pretty great one. And they loved each other. They took care of each other and they got married basically in the early sixties and they managed all that time. They raised three kids. And I was like, man, I want to have a family like that, but I didn't know what was, what were the ingredients going into it? I didn't understand what was going into it. So now we are here today and I'm 46 years old and just now does it really start clicking in? I've got my career going. I've got my kids, you know, I got three kids basically from three separate moms. And I'm not saying that I'm a greatest guy, but I'm not saying I'm the worst. I just skipped steps. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. So as I was skipping steps, not figuring out what was to be, not knowing what I'm supposed to do, I got in this relationship with um, my one-year-old's mom and she was married and, you know, but she was legally separated, living completely. And, you know, it was like an education, like what I was supposed to do. I hated what I had to go through, to be honest with you. And it's, it, this is personal, but it was an education nonetheless and what to do, how to be. And we moved in with each other and, there was just a lot of unresolved issues. And so that's what we're, where we're going to dive into is at what point should you be getting married and why are you getting married to begin with? You know, um, if I were to tell anyone with all my experience and never been married and seeing the people that have been married and seeing people who have gone through divorce and dealing with divorces, I'll tell you right now, do not get married until after you're 27. This doesn't mean that you can't get married. It's just maturity wise, because a man and a woman need to take the most longest period of time to get to that point. I mean, you're going to have sex, you're going to have emotions, you're going to have reliance, trust issues. You know, I need security. I mean, each of the genders have a different value system. Men want the uh, security of having one and one and only where they don't have to work for it, where they don't actually have to engage in their emotions. They're just like, okay, you're my woman. I'm going to take care of this. You're going to love and do whatever, right? So 
And for a woman, from what I observed was, it was more of a security, you know, my parents took care of me, my dad provided for me, and so on and so forth. So each of them, as I began to understood what was going on, you know, through my life education, I guess you could say, I started looking at who and what was responsible for what. And the bottom line was, and what it came down to is, um, who does what now I have dealt with people where they're in marriages where the guy doesn't even try to be a dad. He's just provides the money and that's it. Doesn't offer any emotional value. Doesn't help clean the house. Doesn't help to do shit. Doesn't do anything. Right. And so the woman starts having a wandering eye after 10 years, like, Hey, fuck it. I'm going to go. I'm done. You know, but there is a few person people out there that I have encountered. And as they were looking for someone else, they weren't closing out, you know, their business, you know, so it leads to the, all these problems. And then you have kids and then you have all these extra issues. Like I can't leave just like that because obviously the other parent, you know, but when to say when, and, but the thing is, is, as these clients and people that I've gotten to know, and they're telling me their stories, they were telling me they got married too young. They didn't understand. They didn't know. And a lot of them came from broken homes. You know, mom and dad got divorced just like my parents did. So there was like this break of what marriage was and an understanding was and what goes ingredients into it. So it's like, how can you teach your kids what marriage is if you're divorced? How can you teach your kids about a relationship you know, if you don't have a good foundation yourself. So long story made short, uh, that's what we're diving into. And that's what we need to understand nowadays. The dynamics of a marriage isn't what it used to be. It used to be when you got married, that was it. There's no escape clause. There's no, I don't like that after every year, I don't like this person. I got to go. It was a reliance, it was trust. And now, nowadays, marriage is like a business arrangement. You're good until you can't provide or you can't give me my needs. And instead of looking at the real thing is, are you responsible for your part of the relationship? If you are putting up standards like the man has to do this, has to do that, he can't be this way and he can't be that way, but then they meet somebody and then they make all these compromises and they give up their standards is really the marriage going to work out nine times out of 10. It's not now granted I've never been married, but from all the relationships and all the friendships that I have with those who are married, this is their explanation. And they basically say, yeah, you got to go through a lot. There's the honeymoon phase. And then there's the fuck. We got to get used to used to each other stage. And then there's the, okay, we have kids. Now it's stress. Now it's provisions. Now it's responsibility. Now it's trust and forget about yourself. Forget about your value. It's all about your kids. And that's where the disconnect begins. So after a while we begin to see the destruction of the sanctuary, the sanctuary of marriage of what it was designed for, because all people want to be 
initially with one person and even into their old age. Because let's face it, friends and family come and go. Same with relationships. But marriage is supposed to stick. It's like a holy sanctity. And even some cultures, which they call a dowry, you know, when someone gets married, the family get the daughter's family gives the husband, hey, a marital gift of payment. Like, hey, you're now responsible for her. We aren't, we are not. And a lot of cultures do that. But here in the United States, it's just like marriage is like sign up today. You don't like it tomorrow. You can get it. You don't need a reason. The court's not going to stop you. They're just going to grant it. Very seldomly does any court in this nation stop a divorce from happening. And it's really an understanding of teaching people how to be, you know? So what do we do about all this? You know, there's so many self-help books and how to be yourself, be true to yourself, da, 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 da. But it's like, how do we treat people? How do we treat a lifetime partner for the ingredients of what we want to make? That's what it boils down to. Well, that's all for right now, and I'll be back. So here I am in my 40s, and I have a little one. And there's I'm in my profession, and I'm beginning to understand the emotional, the spiritual, the physical responsibilities of being in a relationship and the value. Now, the first most important thing that I could tell you about if you're going to get into a relationship or marriage is being emotionally sound in yourself, being true to yourself, being honest with yourself, as well as being honest with others. There's going to be times and, and places and things that are going to come up and in which where it, you're not going to want to answer or you, you don't know how to answer. And so the, the compromise internally begins to come up. So either a lie is going to take place or you're not going to say anything and you're going to leave the other person to come to ask. So then there's these little divisions and they build up over time. And you're trying to figure out how do I fix this? How do I patch it up? What do I do? You know, it'll just get better over time. But the thing is, is if you never put in the work, how do you expect it to get better? So the real work begins with you before anyone else. And I like what this book says. Um, I'm referring to The Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz, A Toltec Wisdom. And uh, I'll just read to you, to master a relationship is all about you. The first step is to become aware, to know everyone in your dream has his own dream. And once you know this, you can be responsible for your half of the relationship, which is you. So that basically means that basically know yourself, know what you're capable of, but understand there may be things that you're unaware of that you don't know how to handle. And here's something that can also, also help, you know, um, and I'm going to read further on. It's on page 70 and 71. Um, I'm jumping around in paragraphs. This is finally, if you are aware that no one else can make you happy and that happiness is a result of love coming out of you, this becomes the greatest mastery of the Toltecs of the mastery of love. Next paragraph. We can talk about love and rewrite thousands of books and sayings and all that, but love will be completely different for each of us because we have to experience love. Love is not about concepts. Love is about action. Love in action can only produce happiness. Fear in action can only produce suffering. So with that, that being said, 
Um, we suffer way too often in our relationships. We just accept, okay, that's just how they are. They're not going to change, but it doesn't resolve the problems. And then more bigger problems start to rise. So we're like skipping steps of not only knowing ourselves, but not knowing someone else. And then we're like, well, are they hiding? Are they keeping something from me? People begin to create separate bank accounts and they don't want to contribute. They don't want to share their money. They don't want to share their finances. They don't want to share their assets. They're like, okay, how long do I have this until they leave? That's probably in every relationship or marriage that has problems, you know, where it's becoming to that point, should I stay or should I go? You know what I mean? And, you know, I've experienced it time and time again. And just in the last few years, have I ever been able to understand that I am 100% responsible for everything that I do, everything that I think, and everything that I feel. And when I contribute that to another person, it's either poison or a product, you know, or, or I guess you could say a fruit or a, a, you know, something valuable. And that's where so many of us are going wrong. And nowadays in today's society, the role of man and woman is constantly being challenged. Now, I'm not against same-sex marriages. I'm not against same-gender marriages or anything. But what I'm noticing is, and I'm looking around, is men are men are becoming weaker and women are becoming stronger. And therefore, they do not look at men as an asset. So the dynamics of a marriage is even changing even more and more and more. You know, people are like ready to leave. People are ready to like give up. And they're like, if a man can't hunt me right, I don't need him. If he can't support me, I don't need him. You know, women want to try to be like men. Like they want to, like, I guess up until now, people wanted to womanize, you know, like, oh, I have my security. I can screw around, da, 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 da. But that's not the thing. Now, in the Christian religions and I guess you could say the Western faiths, they talk about marriage like it's the security blanket that covers overall. Like you're supposed to know exactly how to be and you know that you're not supposed to fuck around. You know, once you violate marriage in some cultures, it is death. And there are some countries where if a woman cheats on a man, she's beheaded. I've seen it. I've seen it on YouTube and it was scary as hell. But it's like one of those threats that keeps people in the marriage or keeps them, hey, act straight or get out and do it right. So now here in the United States, we don't have all that. We don't, our, our society is changing so much to where, you know, like I said, if you want to, you want a divorce, sign the paperwork, pay the money, go to court, appear, whether the other person likes it or not. And the judge is going to grant you a divorce. That is the reality. No, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. So women are feeling like, well, what do I need a man for? But there's this longing for connection. And that's what marriage and relationships are all about is the connection. It's when we put a property value, a place value where no one else can share it, no one else can touch it, no one else can have it, is where we have problems. Now, I'm not saying that we need to share in our relationships with another person. That's not what I'm saying. But it's like a property value. And once we institute and treat relationships like a property value, then we become the villains. 
we become the prosecutors or whatever. There's no good guy or, or good girl in it. And I, I don't care what kind of morality, morality code you have. It's that you're mine. You do what I want. Then it's like, then we can negotiate on things that you want. I used to have this saying that, um, and it really got me in a lot of trouble. I used to say, women know what they like, but don't know what they want. Men show them what they want. Well, that's drastically changing. Our whole dynamics, our whole value system on relationships and marriage is like a, a short business deal. Oh, I'll trade it in like a car, sell it if I don't want it, or just get rid of it and dump it. Then it becomes garbage. So then you got to think like in that book called The Mastery of Love, he talks about in one of the chapters, he's like, what kind of poison or garbage are you bringing to the dinner table? You know, when we're making a relationship of love, we're, we're cooking, we're making, we're putting in the ingredients and adding time to it and value. And then it, hopefully it comes out right to where we enjoy it for a lifetime. Well, I wanted to make this episode shorter, but it's getting a little longer. So this is just the beginning and I'm going to make more episodes about this and we're going to talk more about that. So thank you all for listening. And we're going to talk more about this in another episode.